You're listening to the Stay Sore Podcast. Hey, what's up, guys? Welcome back to the Stay Sore Podcast. My name is Bo Skitsko. I'm your host. And I have the huge pleasure to talk today on this podcast to uh, Zach Long. Well, you have a lot of different letters after your name, but uh, the main one is PT, physical therapy. And I think you're the perfect person to talk about this topic, which is longevity in the fitness industry. Is it even possible to constantly get better? How do we do longevity in the gym? So let's start with the don't get injured standpoint. I think there's a a couple of pieces to that. So first of all, there's this balance between pushing your fitness forward and how much you can recover from that. And so that balance is the key to training no matter where you are in your spectrum of age. So we always want to be continually trying to do more volume in our training. That's what's going to push our fitness forward. So that's why you don't show up and every single day do the exact same 30 minutes workout every day. You want to be increasing that from 30 to 35 minutes if you're a runner. You want to be going from you know lifting a 45-pound barbell as a barbell athlete to putting 55, 65, 400 pounds on the bar over time. But the key with us increasing our training volume is that we do that fairly consistently without these giant rapid increases in our training volume. So we tend to see a lot of people get in trouble when they see giant spikes in their workload. So a great example of that um, that that you'll see a lot in like the CrossFit athlete is an athlete that's going to CrossFit, you know, the standard four to five times per week. All of a sudden they decide that, you know, I, I really feel like I need to build my baseline strength up. And so they go from that four or five days a week of CrossFit where maybe they're seeing one or two squat variations that week. Maybe every two to three weeks they see a really heavy squat variation show up, but they decide that they want to get really strong. And so they jump into the small off squat cycle. So they're squatting high volume, high frequency, high intensity. If you're not familiar with a small off squat cycle, uh, you can look it up and, and your eyes will get really big when you see what's heading your way. But those are people that went from a low volume of squatting to really rapidly jumping up to high frequency, high intensity, high volume. And it's that giant jump up that so often will challenge tissues beyond what they're prepared for. And so if you want to build up to doing a small off squat cycle and you're a CrossFit athlete, then maybe you go and for a month, you make sure once a week you have a heavy squat in there. So you maybe put in some accessory work compared to what your gym's typically programming. Then for month two, maybe you do twice a week, you're doing some squatting volume. And then month three, you jump into the small off squat cycle so that you're taking these steps up in your training volume rather than taking like a huge punch all at once. We don't need the knockout punch, but we can sustain a few jabs essentially. Is what okay, I'm so your, your whole point, let me summarize real quick, is progressive and very slow conscious progression. Go, go one step at a time. Don't, don't skip steps, right? Right. Yeah, just make sure so you're, you're... you you said something about um, volume and intensity. So uh, as a physical therapist, and you also have a, a clinic where you treat athletes and people since uh, people and stuff. Um, your what's your opinion? I have a strong opinion, and you can prove me wrong. But uh, what's your opinion on volume versus intensity? That's going to really be dependent on your goals overall. So. You know, I work with everybody from games levels athletes to average Joe. So the average mm-hmm. Joe tends to probably need to be more focused on the intensity of their training than the volume. And that's why CrossFit.com, CrossFit Level 1 certification, they talk all the time about focusing on intensity. And if you go to CrossFit.com and look at their programming, they're typically programming only one element a day. 
You show okay. up and we're doing five by five deadlifts. You show up and we're doing this 15 minute AMRAP. They're not throwing both of those together. And okay. I think that's, that's probably what more people need to focus on is the intensity piece in the CrossFit space than the volume where they're trying to throw in a strength piece, a gymnastic skill piece, then the Metcon, then some accessory mobility work. I think they get to where they're just spreading themselves really thin with that volume. And what I tend to see happen with people that are throwing too much of that in is that something has to give. You can't okay. go in and do super heavy back squats and then hit Fran right afterwards and expect that that intensity of Fran to be as hard as it could be and should be based on the intended stimulus that Fran should have because you're okay. already going to be pretty pre-fatigued from those heavy squats. Yeah, so in our general my... population, I tend to go, bias go ahead, them towards ahead. the intensity piece. If you're competitive, mm -hmm. though, you've got to be prepared for a high volume and the ability to see high intensity at high volume. Because if you're going to, uh, for instance, my business partner, um, uh, she was um, getting ready to do uh, the Legends competition at Mayhem. Mm -hmm. And they were doing, I think, three workouts a day for four days. So she's got to be prepared for a high volume in a very relatively short period of time. So her training needs to reflect that a little bit. So she's going to be doing multiple pieces in her programming. She's going to be so pulling it, some days where she does two It all depends on the goal. It yeah, all depends on the goal, like you said. Well, uh, uh, for for my average client here, the average person who wants to be healthy, wants to be fit, the Mrs. Jones, but also some high school athletes and stuff, um, would you say that focusing more in, on intensity, focus on one thing and do it really well, that workout would be smart approach? Yeah. I would much rather people focus on one thing, all out intensity on that one thing, and then if you if you show up and the day's workout is only five by five deadlifts, you can go hard in those deadlifts. You have a good amount of time to warm up, to practice your technique, and then really get after it with intensity in that. And then you still have enough reserves in for where mm -hmm. if you have some very specific weaknesses in your fitness game, you can get after them. So say you come into CrossFit as a former power lifter. You probably mm -hmm. don't need a lot more maximal strength to have the well-rounded fitness that CrossFit's trying to develop. But you show up that day, you do your five by five deadlifts, maybe then because you haven't overtaxed your body, maybe you can do some slow steady state cardio. You can work on your zone too. That's stuff that powerlifters never do. That's a hole in that person's current fitness capacity or in the opposite end of that, a marathoner comes in, they see a day that, that's pretty long in the cardio perspective, they're gonna do great in that workout. Well, maybe they need to, at the end of that day, spend a little bit more time focusing on their mobility because our endurance athletes tend to be a little stiffer. Maybe they need to do a little bit of accessory strength work to fill that hole in their game. But if we focus on the intensity with a little bit of accessory volume, that tends to be my bias towards our general population people. I love it. And I, I, I completely agree with you. And that's what I'm trying to run in my gym is let's have a focus and then a few supplemental corrective or whatever the weaknesses, a few supplemental exercises around that main either movement or just element like focusing on fatiguing your nervous system or your uh, muscles or heart and lungs whatever it is and then a few supplemental exercises around it so uh, let me ask you this when i have clients come in, and we we don't do crossfit but we have elements that are very familiar similar to crossfit right i know you work in the crossfit world but movement is movement the body moves um so when, uh, let's go to the less athlete, but more like common in the regular world person, the Mrs. Jones comes in and tells me, I, am I too old to work out? 
what would you answer? I mean, I know what I would answer. I want to know what you would say. Am I too old to work out? Should I lift weights at 70? How do I stay safe? Yeah. Um, so no, you're not too old to work out. I mean, ultimately what you want to do with Mrs. Jones is, is get into understanding a little bit more about her and what she cares about. Mrs. Jones has a dog and she's got to carry that dog food into the house. Mrs. Jones, uh, her husband's passed away. She's got to now take care of the entire house by herself. She's got to be able to carry her laundry basket from the laundry room mm -hmm. down in the basement up a flight of stairs. We need to make sure that we're keeping her strong and fit as much as possible so that she has maximal quality of life no matter where she is. So if she's seven years old, she might not have the goal of running a marathon again. She may because there are some amazing older adults now that are doing insane feats of fitness like that. But no matter what, like we all want to live a better life. Nobody wants to be, nobody wants to be in a nursing home when they're 70. Nobody wants to be completely reliant on in-home help at that age. How do we get ahead of that stuff? It's by building more of a buffer against those, those downfalls by building fitness. Yes, absolutely. And I have, like you said, some of those amazing people that figured out how to take care of themselves and be strong and fit and enjoying life, not just waiting for it to, to happen, you know? Yeah. So uh, definitely. So not told, how do we... How do we, let's go to the other spectrum, like 18, 20 year old starts working out. How do you educate and preach that young person so that young person has a lifetime full of fitness without or minimizing injuries? How do you preach and teach somebody to like work out till they're 70, 80 and feel fine with it, not having torn, broken bodies? Yeah, so I, I like to kind of bring up the analogy of sprinting versus jogging. Do you want okay. to go fast or do you want to go far? And so that's think of this as a long-term thing here. So often when individuals start working out, they go all in for a short period of time. They do a little bit more than what is sustainable for them, not just from an injury perspective, but from a time perspective, from a mental energy perspective. So they start going to the gym, they fall in love with it. They end up going to the gym five days a week for two hours. They get injured or they get burnt out, whatever. I would much rather you, instead of sprinting all out for 50 meters and then needing several minutes to recover from that fast sprint, I'd rather us take a nice jog and let's make sure we can find a, a level of training that we can sustain long-term. Again, both from injury, mental health, time standpoint, because it's the people that hang in there long-term and see those small jumps continually that over the course of one, two, five, 20 years make it the furthest in their fitness journey. So we want to do everything we can to make sure you can stay consistent there and not get derailed by those other things. I understand. So the main word here would probably be sustainability. Find what you can do and continue doing for the next 5, 10, 50 years. Find, find your rhythm. And um, how do you feel about teasing your limits to become better? Do you have to push hard to become better? Do you have to one-up your last workout? What do you feel about that? How do you become better? Do you have to one-up every single workout? Absolutely not. Do you have to okay. regularly see improvements in different metrics? Yes. So you don't need to like hang your hat on every single time I go into the gym, I must PR. You're going to have bad days. You're going to have bad training cycles. There's going to be a number of different things that throw you off. Like you have a bad night of sleep and, and I can pretty much guarantee you your force output for a maximal deadlift or for a hard conditioning piece, 
whatever it is, a bad night of sleep, bad day of nutrition is going to reduce your capacity in that workout. So don't hang your head on every single workout, but we certainly want to be tracking different fitness metrics depending on what your goals are and making sure that regularly over time we're seeing improvements in that. Awesome. Yeah. I, I Well, to support your idea, I always tell my clients on a good day when you feel really good, you had good nutrition, good sleep, hit a new PR, personal record. On a bad day, just move and maintain and just, just get some blood flow. And then when you feel good, once a week, maybe twice a week, maybe once a month if you have a bad month. It doesn't matter. When you feel good, you hit a new PR. If you don't feel good, keep moving to feel good. I call some of those habit days. So I tell people okay. all the time, like, it's okay if you show up and, and you, you did not feel like doing it today for whatever reason. But you showed up and you sweated a little bit. You didn't PR. You maybe had to scale down what everybody else in the class was doing or what was programmed for you that day. But you showed up and you still did some work. And maybe you, maybe you half-assed it. Maybe you went at it at 75% because you just really weren't feeling it. But guess what? You still made it part of your day that you're doing something for your fitness and you're ingraining inside of yourself long-term that this is the thing you do, even if today wasn't the optimal day for that or your best version of yourself. Got it. So we're talking about longevity and how can we keep moving throughout their whole life and uh, having the quality of life through health Uh, physical health. So would you, um, I know you're not a nutritionist, you're probably not a sleep scientist, but we both, and you maybe even more so because your physical therapy, have some knowledge of the, the gen general ideas of this stuff. So what would you say are the main components to live a good quality life, the whole life from born to, to old physically, to be able to be moving and stuff? So what are the main components? between your strain and your recovery. So we've talked a lot about okay. the strain so far. <clears throat> your recovery side, to me, is kind of three components. It's your sleep, it's your nutrition, it's overall lifestyle stress. So I, okay. I do regularly have conversation with people about this. I'm not a nutritionist, so I don't ever sit down and like write people custom meal plans, but I for sure Absolutely. have conversation with people nonstop about that. For me, um, it's overall fairly simple in terms of what I have discussion with people on in terms of nutrition. Uh, so number one, it's us looking at total protein intake. If you're a resistance trained individual, we want to be somewhere between 0.7 and 1.2 grams of protein per pound of ideal body weight. So if you're, you know, a little overweight, it might not exactly be on average, that's one gram per pound of body weight. But if you're, you know, if you have 50 pounds of fat that you need to lose, you probably don't need to eat that extra 50 grams of protein. You'd be a little bit below that. But I like to start there. Because if we're resistance training, we're breaking down muscle proteins, we need to have muscle protein or, or protein in our body and those amino acids to then rebuild those tissues that are getting broken down by our fitness. So that's make sure we're getting enough protein. I'm always shocked at how um, under fueled in terms of protein intake so many of my athletes are. And then the second thing we're going to have discussions on is just your general total caloric intake and just having basic understandings of calories in versus calories out and finding that balance. So one thing that I have a lot of my athletes do, again, I don't write custom meal plans, but I have them start tracking with something like MyFitnessPal, their protein intake, their total calorie intake, and then just every single week taking their fasted weight and waste one day a week and just looking at trends of that over time. And I'm really surprised so often, and I work very much primarily in the CrossFit population, but so often I find mm -hmm. CrossFitters that we start upping their calories and they go from eating 2,000 a day to 2250 to 2500 to 2750 and we add 750 calories to their diet and they don't gain any weight 
And I'm like, yeah, man. the body slowly adjusts and starts burning that, that those calories and starts using them more or, efficiently. Or that's instead the 750 of more calories that their body could have used towards recovering from their training a little bit faster to be more prepared for that next training cycle. I'm surprised Absolutely. at how often people are just under eating quite a bit. And so I just like to find that balance. And then based on what their but goals are, we're talking are, we about can... good quality calories, right? Overall, good quality calories. Yeah. I'm just saying it's not I, like, I, oh, I keep good, mine. this is about the slice of, of pizza. This is about the extent of what I talk to people about. Um, so I, 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 I'm pretty I, much I could, in the same boat here. I could I, go I, a lot more in depth on that with them, but I think overall, like in terms of my shoes and what I need to be doing in, in people's journeys, it's total calories and protein intake is, tends to be my focus. Um, if people have difficulties getting rid of certain things in their diet, then I'm going to refer them to somebody else versus going a little bit more in depth. So we have those discussions. Oh, yeah. Then the second thing we have is sleep. Like people need to be sleeping seven to eight hours a day. Um, if you're if you're an active individual, and most individuals are falling far short of that, so we got to get that up. And there's just an insane amount of research out there on sleep quality and what it does for your performance, what it does for your recovery, what it does for your hormone levels. It's it's absolutely nuts. Like one of my favorite research studies on sleep actually has to do with pain. So they have individuals um, that they put them in sleep deprivation. So they basically keep them awake a lot more than they're used to. And then they take mm -hmm. what's called pain pressure threshold. So they press down on their skin and they add more and more and more weight until that person says that the amount of pressure from being poked is painful. And what they found mm -hmm. is that people that are sleep deprived have more pain in their pain pressure threshold Absolutely. testing. Like it takes yeah. less pressure for that stimulus to become painful. There's some, cool. another awesome study where they took uh, college basketball players. They sleep deprived them. And over the course of several days, they had those athletes shoot free throws and they had them um, write down how good they felt. In the first few days of being sleep deprived, they would report that they felt pretty bad. After a few days, though, they would say, you know what? I feel like my normal. Basically, they accommodated towards their sleep deprivation. They started to think that they were doing okay. But when they started to look at the objective markers of their free throw percentages, what they found was that those people lost sleep objectively they were doing worse they weren't shooting free throws as good but subjectively they yeah. thought they were doing good and i think a lot of people are in this state of mind where they think that they're they're doing okay on their five or six hours of sleep on a daily basis but really they're just used to being in this sleep deprivation state and they don't realize how much it's actually holding back their performance so we got to talk about i the... feel like you're talking about me right now <laughs> uh, i got a six month old so i'm i'm uh... i have three kids so it, it's painfully it's painfully uh sleep deprived here and i actually just uh two three months ago i finished reading the book by matthew walker yeah. from berkeley university it's called why we sleep mm -hmm. and he's one of the leading guys on research on sleep and i started rethinking a lot of things i mean yeah it's nice to like have a business and hustle and f sleep five hours six hours but probably not the best thing it's 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 hard to find the balance it's hard yeah. to find the balance one of my favorite quotes from from dr matthew walker is sleep is the greatest performance enhancing drug that nobody's using amen amen yeah, yeah absolutely when you have a good night not, not just one but like three or four good nights in a row i feel like superman oh yeah or even yeah so absolutely so we got nutrition we got sleep and then you mentioned stress or overall like lifestyle yeah lifestyle stress it's it, everything goes into the same bucket so whether that's your training, stress at work, stress at home, like all of that stress is cumulative on your nervous system. And so I think people also need to pay attention to during certain lifestyles, life cycles, your training might be slightly different. 
It's like I just mentioned, I got a six month old at home. Those first two months were brutal. This is my first kid. I was I, I, I read stuff on how bad it was going to be. People told me <laughs> I didn't believe it until I actually got it. So there was for oh, sure believe it. a two month period there where a lot of my workouts were, were habit workouts. Like we talked about earlier, like I still got my four to five days in every single week. Now there were days that I showed up and I was so sleep deprived that I did my primary strength exercise. I went in and did squats and I did not do any of my accessory work or any of my conditioning. And that was fine because I had to understand during that period of time, my bucket was very full from this lack of sleep, insane stress. I was still trying to get a decent amount of work done in those first two months. Um, Because as a business owner, you can't necessarily just turn it off and go on paternity leave, as you know. Yeah, so, I know. So I my know. bucket was pretty full and you can't just overflow your bucket all the time. So I backed my training back just a little bit, but I still stayed at it. You just got to think of everything overall there. Good for you. I, I just I just got another bucket so I can overflow it. I, I'm just kidding, but I'm trying to figure it out. So um, really quick, let, let's do very practical tips from a physical therapist, your professional opinion warm-ups, stretching, foam rolling, that kind of stuff. And I, I preface it with, with the statement that I don't do crazy amounts of stretching. I like dynamic stretching before warming up and then static stretching for things that need stretching, not just stretching for the reason of stretching because everyone says it's good for you. I like the idea of if something needs stretching, we're going to stretch it. Otherwise, some dynamic mobility flows and then let's work out and slowly Warm up. What do you, how do you feel about that? My belief on stretching and mobility work is to do as little as possible, as much as is necessary. So if Thank you are you. somebody Thank that you. moves great, you can get into the positions that you need to for the style of training you do. I don't see any dramatic added benefit in you doing more mobility work. Other than let's, let's say you show up one day and something feels a little funky, a little off, and you stretch it or mobilize it, feels a little bit better, fine. But if you move well, and can hit the positions you need, I don't think you need to stretch anymore. I think you now need to work on fitness. You need to build up your cardiovascular endurance, your strength, your power output, your agility, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. If you're somebody though, that has mobility limitations that are putting you in less than optimal positions or not allowing you to do the, the, the movements that you care about, then you do need to be doing some extra mobility work in terms of your training. Um, and, and I'll say one thing that I think a lot of people mess up on there is that they hit the wrong areas. So you want to either make sure you're working with a coach that understands how to break down the movements that you're having difficulty with, or you want to find different ways to self-test your mobility. So if you go to performanceplusprogramming.com, um, I, I've got a free resource if people want it. Performanceplusprogramming.com. I'll, I'll link it down below. Okay. Slash ultimate dash mobility checklist. It basically, okay. you go into that. And you say, I'm having trouble with my back squat or my front rack position or my overhead press. You click that movement. It takes you through the different tests that you need to look at to actually make sure you're stretching the right area. Because for instance, That's awesome. in the it's squat, gonna be... I see a lot of individuals that say that their hips are tight, but really they mm -hmm. have stiff ankles and they have to make up for those stiff ankles with their hips. And so their hips feel tight, but their hips are tight because their ankles are actually tight and their hips are just picking up the slack. Think of it as a group project. If you and I are in a group project and you're doing all the work and I'm being lazy, who's mad in that situation? You're mad because yeah. you're doing all the work. I'm happy. I'm not doing anything. This is great. I'm going to get a good grade while Bo does all the work for me. So Absolutely. you need to make sure you kind of have that, that workload spread out. 
In terms of the warm-up. I have the... Sorry, go ahead. Go ahead, go ahead. No, you, you go ahead. In terms of the warm-up, I'm on board with you there. So I want you to get your heart rate up. I want you to, you know, warm the specific muscles up that you're going to see in that workout. I prefer for that to be more dynamic stretching, movement-based stuff that's going to get you prepared for that, those specific movements that you're going to see that day. I don't typically program much from a static stretching perspective before working out unless we both know that the movement showing up in that workout, you are going to get in really poor positioning unless we do some static stretching to open it up. So let's say like we got a lot of squat volume coming up today and, and we know that your hips are tight and that hip tightness limits your squat depth. Then maybe we do some static stretching beforehand. There's research out there showing that, you know, static stretching might decrease your force output a little bit afterwards. But realistically, for guys like you and I, and most of the people probably listening to this, we are not elite athletes. I am not about to play in the Super Bowl next week. I'm not going to the Olympics. Me losing a little bit of force output for the benefit of being in slightly better positions is probably worthwhile for us. Yeah, I understand. I understand. I, I totally love your approach simply because it matches my approach. So uh, I'm just saying you're right because you think how I think. Uh, I, uh, no, I feel the same I'm way kidding. when I read a research study that supports my biases. I love it. <laughs> yeah, I, I think um, I think you need to stretch when you need to stretch, not just for the reason to stretch. And I also love what you mentioned. A lot of times people, you need a coach or professional because people stretch the wrong things. Mm -hmm. Like if you tell somebody to stretch and they just bend over and reach for their toes. Uh, I'm, I mean, it can be a good stretch, but that doesn't fix everything in your body. Right. There's better ways to do things. You know, my lower back is so tight. Well, maybe we shouldn't stretch your back. Maybe we should stretch your hip flexors and stuff. You know that I see that almost every day. All right, uh, foam rolling. Foam rolling is um, so foam rolling and and almost any other like more passive thing like that, like getting a massage. Um, all of those things do a great job of temporarily reducing kind of your muscle tone. They temporarily allow you to to access a little bit more range of motion. So let's take advantage of that, but we have to understand that it won't create permanent changes in somebody's movement capacity. So I, I tend to like to, from a mobility perspective, kind of package things in three ways. We open up range of motion through foam rolling, through static stretching, things like that. Then we want to load it. So let's say we're working on your shoulder mobility. Let's say your lats are tight. Mm -hmm. We foam roll your lats. We stretch your lats. Now I want to do something where we actually work on, we've opened up some motion. Now let's get strong in that motion. So maybe we do an overhead carry or something like that. Um, and then we want to integrate it into whatever movement pattern we care about. So if you're then trying to improve, if you're trying to improve your lat flexibility so that you have a better overhead press, then let's get a bar and let's actually do some overhead pressing with it. So we open it, we uh, isolate that in range, what we open up, and then we integrate it into the movement patterns we actually care about. So I like to hit those three steps. Love it. Love it. Last piece of advice for the average person who wants to live a healthy, physically healthy life. A uh, piece of advice that people oversee, overlook. Hmm. Anything? What do you see people lack the most? American society. I think people just need to find what they love. And, and there's so much debate over what's the best way to train. And really, the best way to train is whatever you're going to stay with long term. So if you like jogging, go for a jog. If you like CrossFit, throw some weights yep. around. And if you like powerlifting, yep. then put some plates on that bar and try to get it done right. Preferably throw a little bit in of the stuff you don't like. So if you like running marathons and you're not doing strength work, you're holding yourself back in your marathon training. 
and opening yourself up to injury. Vice Absolutely. versa. If you like powerlifting, if you just want to be the, the biggest bench squat deadlift ever, some zone two long, slow, steady state cardio will also help you recover a little bit more from the stuff that you actually like. So do a little bit of the stuff that you don't like, but really find the thing that you love that you can sustain long-term. And just keep moving, right? Yep. Awesome. Zach, thank you so much for being on the podcast. Uh, really quick, where can people find you if they want to uh, talk to you, see what you do? And uh, just really quick, I found you through Instagram. This is the first time we have a conversation, but I loved your post. I think they're very educational. They're important for people to see. Guys, subscribe to Zach, but where else can they find you? Where do you want to send people? So you can find, um, find my personal stuff is on the Barbell Physio on Instagram, Facebook, or the barbellphysio.com. That's where I put out articles and different informational posts. Um, put out a lot of different accessory programs. Like if you're trying to improve your mobility or hit certain like, like gymnastics goals, if you want to learn to handstand walk, we have different programs to hit your specific goals as accessory programs at performanceplusprogramming.com. Or we also have a team of, of fitness forward physical therapists across the state. So um, as of you know, December 2022, when we're recording this, we have 18 different locations at onwardphysio.com. And those are all physical therapists that understand human movement, that are your partners in moving better, not people that are going to say, stop doing that, just rest. They're going to be people that find solutions and help you modify your training when something comes up rather than stopping your training. Frustrates me when people say just rest it. Yeah, hate it. Yeah, Hate me too, it. me too, me too. All right, Zach, thank you so much for being on the show. I love what you had to say to preach uh, in some ways even support my ideas. I feel better about it now. Thank you so much, and I hope we can do this in the future again. Enjoyed it, both. Thank you. All right, take care, guys. Bye.